This is To Londoner, a podcast about Kiwis doing fun and interesting things in the belly of the beast, better known as London. I'm Michael John Oliver. You're a Kiwi moving to London and you're not sure what the hell's going on. Flats are impossible to find, jobs are weirdly scarce, and nobody really wants to be your friend either. It uh, kind of sucks being you. So chances are you'll join about 70,000 other Kiwis on a wee Facebook group called Kiwis in London. The group is the hard work of one man, Clint Heiner, who's been the port of call for many young Kiwis freaking out in a city common for freaking out in. But he tells me there's a method to all the madness. Why did you move to London? What kind of opportunity did you see? I was backpacking through Southeast Asia. I left home with no idea. I never really left New Zealand before. So I went through Thailand and Cambodia and Vietnam and all that. I spent four months in India and then I was like, what do I do now? And I was watching BBC and it said that the weather was really good in the UK at the time. I, before I left, I thought I'd get the visa just to see if I would turn up there or not. It was during the heat wave, so I got excited, got to London, and it was minus three. Uh, so it wasn't the best start, but my plan was to come to the UK, maybe work at a bar, maybe out of London. Two days in, I thought, yeah, I'm definitely going to leave London, go up north, and just be a, a barman, do the Kiwi thing. And then um, three days later, <laughs> I thought, no, I'm not leaving London at all. Went to a New Zealand bar I did, which is closed now, and... Um, and had a great time, saw other Kiwis kind of doing what they were doing in London and thought, well, hell, I'm not going to give up on this. Let's see what goes on. So 14 years later, I'm still here. And what are you doing now? Uh, I run Kiwis London. Uh, that's my full-time uh, job. I say it's not really a job because I love doing it, so it's more of a, a hobby in a way, which I kind of get paid for somehow. Uh, so that's my thing. That's what I do. So for those unfamiliar with Kiwis in London, how would you describe it? Kiwis in London, in a kind of like in a nutshell, is a place where you can get jobs, get flats, and get drunk. Uh, that's the way I describe it. Uh, we have, uh, you know, thousands of flats uh, over a month are advertised on our page. Uh, jobs the same, um, and we run social events. So that's how it's kind of that's how I'll describe it. So why did you choose Facebook? It seems obvious it's the, the social network. Was that the reason? No, uh, I, I think when I came to the UK, we didn't have all Facebook and social media. It was more places like Gumtree, which was a, a, an old uh, page, which is still active now, but it's dead and what it used to do. But that was where Kiwis used to communicate themselves through. They used to find jobs on Gumtree or the TNT magazine. Those were the staples of the, of the community for uh, doing finding work, finding flats and, and going to events but those mediums didn't really kind of keep up in the electronic age through social media so when Facebook kind of came out and, and I had a bit more confidence in what I knew was going on in the UK I, I started up a small page on Facebook to publicise the Waitangi Day pub crawl that did very well uh, and the event you know, has been doing well but a lot of people said well we like that page, but we would like to have something a bit more that representative of New Zealanders, which wasn't just for one day of the year, which is what the pub crawl is. So I set Facebook, uh, the Facebook page Kiwis in London up, thinking, oh yeah, it'll be something to appease everyone else and, and, and ignore it. And it did for a while, eight months of doing nothing at all, uh, and about 800 people joined it, and then one day I put a flat up on it, and it exploded to about 5,000 people in about three months. <laughs> on the back of that one one post uh, one sudden... post and then I thought let's put two let's do three let's do four and then jobs kind of came along at the same time so I said well can I post a job on your page and I said of course you can and I did it for them and, and it just kind of got 
from there to that three months I posted half a dozen jobs and about 20 flats and the page kind of blew up it got to a point where I looked at myself on New Year's Day and said I've got 5,000 people here and what am I going to do am I going to walk away or am I going to stick to it you don't really want to walk away from a page which without any effort 5,000 Kiwis join you know you want to kind of stay and Facebook is one of those mediums which is so addictive anyway everyone's on Facebook I think even Zuckerberg himself is trying to get people off Facebook <laughs> and yet he's not going to win that one but uh, but people are always on Facebook they're too lazy to go anywhere else they're not going to check their emails they're going to go on to other things if you can go on Facebook and get everything then I, that's why I'm sticking that's why I stuck to Facebook really it started out as you said it was a hobby mm-hmm, absolutely. but now it's something more than that for you it's a full time job all consuming in my dreams keeps me up at night but in a good way you know I, you always get told by people that if you do something every day, it's not really a job. It, it's it's what you love, and it doesn't feel like a job. And that's even now with this many people on my page, it's it doesn't feel like a job. I'm I'm helping people every single day. I love it. You know, it's a, it's a it's a dream job. You could say. I mean, people do come up to me and say you actually have the dream job, and I'm like, well, yeah, it's eighteen hour a day dream job, but. But it's, it's wonderful. What were you doing at the, at the time when you set it up? I was a careers advisor, which fits in quite well. I'd been working for a charity in West London for about nine years. Uh, I was their careers advisor, um, which I'd been doing in previous jobs beforehand by default. Not had no training at all, but it was more about listening to people, finding out what people wanted, and uh, from there, moving and helping people find jobs. And I was a careers advisor, I was very bored because people that, was, that were coming to see me weren't really wanting to see me. They were forced to come and see me because they had to get their benefit. I come from a bit of a tough love approach when it comes to careers advice that if you don't want my advice I'll give you all the information and send you off and, and that's great but it's no job satisfaction knowing that 75% of people that you deal with just really don't want to be around you. So. In my lunchtime one day, when I had all the you know the Facebook and all that open up and hearing all the advice from everyone else about setting up a Kiwi page, Kiwis London kind of was born from there. Worked on it during my lunch breaks. I worked on it after work. I worked on it before work, up to you know midnight hours, just kind of talking to people, responding to people, and and staying active to a point where yeah, it kind of worked in tandem with my with my careers advice job to the day I got made redundant. Uh, forcibly uh, so uh, <laughs> so you decided I'm just going to go all in on this yes it was I kind of was set in a situation where I had a redundancy payment sitting there my CV printed off in front of me and me thinking one day you know what I'm not going to look for another job I'm not going to go and sit through the job interview process which I know very well because I was training job interview processes in my job so I just answered a few emails from people asking for more advertising on my Kiwis London page and and said, well, I'm going to give them and just charge them a flat fee. It was low enough for them to come back and say, well, let's do four or five ads this week, this month. And and that's how it kind of was born. I just didn't want to look for work, you know. London's got so many jobs in it, but I didn't want to go through that process of pretending in an interview what I was going to be the best worker in the world and be on time and punctual when I can do it my way. So the group started more or less as a... I don't want to say like it classified, but it kind of was, wasn't it? Like, yeah, absolutely. It, but it has evolved since then. How would you describe what it is now? I, I find that when Facebook was in its infancy, pages like mine were a bit more active, like with cor- face-to-face, with person-to-person uh, correspondence. So if somebody wrote to my page, I really want some help, 
30 people write back saying, yeah, I can help you, I can do this, I can, I can do that. And Facebook, as they kind of evolved, pages, which is why one is, kind of became less personalized and Facebook forced people to go into kind of groups, which is a different medium altogether, where and where they are, the notification settings are a bit more looser, so you can get heaps of stupid notifications in your bloody email all the time, which is annoying. But so the page was a bit more corresponding there but now it, I've got group as well I've set up a group as well so I've kind of got the Kiwis London page which is 71,000 people on it I've also got a group which is Kiwis London chat which is a chat page with just over 10,000 people on that as well so it has evolved where I've got now two kind of communities doing the one thing the, 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 the chat page is more about how do I do this why do I do this how do I set up a bank account what is the thing I need to do when I come over to the UK Whereas the page itself with the 71,000 is more about here are the jobs, here are the accommodation, uh, the flats, here are the events, here is the, it's like a big notice board in a way. Plus, of course, lots of banter, a lot of comedy, a lot of uh, harassing Australians here and there, you know. But it's, you know, so, that, so there's kind of two kind of communities I'm kind of running under the um, Kiwis and under umbrella. And is it just you? Or do you have volunteers and employees? I'd love to say I have that, but no, it's mostly me. It's 99% me. I do have a, a volunteer on my main page which looks after things when I'm on holiday, which I, I do get one of those now and then, uh, <laughs> once a year. <laughs> but uh, other than that, it is all me. Uh, on my other page, it doesn't really need um, me too much because it's a, a group community so everyone can answer things for me which is fantastic how many hours a day do you devote to working on usually between about eight in the morning seven in the morning till about midnight that's a long time but you can't escape in a good way you know i've turned all the notifications off my on my phone so i actually don't know what's going on so i'll go and visit my page all day and just kind of look at what's going on to find out that people are lost on my page if they haven't found something which they need to know the answer of but no one's answered them I'll answer their questions if it's something that I can't answer I direct it to the rest of my community and the group effort will the group community will do that as well so about 18 hours a day on a, on a good day if my wife makes me go to bed early then it's 16 hours a day but <laughs> you sort of become synonymous with helping Kiwis set up here and get, get things together how do you feel about that is that something you've you're comfortable with yeah yeah when I come over here I only had one friend from university who, who got deported just before I got here so I had to look out I had to stay with his sister um it was a lovely girl uh, I had to behave myself there but, but lovely girl but but I didn't have anyone to kind of count on I had nothing to fall back on I didn't know what to do so for me kind of been in a situation where I now I, I kind of know a little bit more about staying and surviving here and unanswering questions it's it's something I really enjoy. I mean, I was a careers advisor in the past. You know, my family, you know, we've all kind of done things in their lives to help people. You know, my mum was a nurse and always kind of told us when we grew up to help other people out, which was fantastic, you know. So, you know, things like that. So coming to the UK and having some information in front of me, it's, it's easy to share. It doesn't cost me anything to share information with anyone. You know, and people were very grateful. Do you have a, a favourite story someone you've helped I, I have many favorite stories but I think things like like yesterday for instance a, a guy came to me because his girlfriend was having trouble finding work 
a really, really difficult kind of situation for her. No money and all that stuff. And I asked a few questions and found out that she loves children, which is good, you know. And, and she's looking after a child in her spare time while she's looking for work. And straight away I got an email to a nanny agency who are looking for people like that. And she's like, yeah, we'll find her a job. Not only will we find her a job, we'll find her a damn good job. She's going to get, nannies get paid crazy money in London, you know. So this woman, well, this, this girl now is going to get a, a job. She will get a job straight away because there's the demand for Kiwi nannies is extremely high. She's probably paid... She'll be probably paid about £2,000 a month, probably. <laughs> you know, that's going to be our favourite story next soon because that girl is looking for work and struggling and all that. It's going to have a fantastic job in probably about a week's time, you know. There seems to be the, the stereotype that Kiwis are valued as employees over yeah. here because of we've got that can-do attitude, that kind of we want to make it big and do well while we're over here. There are some who say, well, that's all well and good, but that's that sort of stereotype is more or less the same of anyone who wants to work in London. Do you notice that employers, when they approach you, Kiwis, we want them, they've got what we want? Yeah, you've, you've touched on two very good points there, actually. Uh, we're, we're, in New Zealand, we've always been taught we are the best, we are popular in the UK, everyone loves us because we're hardworking and all that. The difference is now that we've, you know, the economy now has changed where we've opened up to the European Union, and believe me, we think that we work hard. No, the Europeans work extremely hard. I've employed them in the past. You know, asking the Kiwi who runs a business over there, and they'll say the Europeans are faultless. You know, the difference is the reason why the British British love us over here is because we speak English. You know, we'll work hard, we're fine. But the thing is that for them, we speak the same language, and for them, that is what is the deal breaker for them. They will prefer us because we speak English. By saying that, we do work very hard. We work extremely hard, but the I think it's a myth now that, that we're sought after because of that, because the competition now is a lot more than maybe in the 80s or the early 90s, where that wasn't the case in the past. So we do have competition now, which is great. The community itself of Kiwis in London comes to the aid of people if and when they're asked to. Is that something you've noticed in the past? Everyone has that success story. I have no friends. I want to go home. You know, you only get once in your lifetime a tier, uh, tier 5 two-year working holiday, you know. Uh, you don't want to go home when you're 19 or 20 years old and think, well, I gave it a try. Because you're going to get 25, 26 and go, shit, mate, I wished I'd done that visa again. Uh, so my one of my biggest challenges and successes is encouraging people to stay. Uh, and I get them by volu- voluntarily posting on my, on my chat page. And people will come to them and say, you know what, we're looking for people to hang out with us as well. Friends become friends. They'll come back to me just when they leave the country and say, thank you so much. You have a, a number of commercial relationships. Yeah. How, how do you pitch the page? I've never had to pitch it whatsoever, to be honest. Uh, I don't openly seek business. In fact, I'd love to discourage it sometimes as well. It, people come to me. They see this page of people talking. They see the other people advertising on my page and they say shit how do we get in on this you know I my commercial approach is fair I, I charge people very small amounts of money so that anyone can advertise on my page I don't care if you're a multinational with crazy money who can whatever you know but then there's companies who are just starting up companies who just have very small budgets who just I want everyone to be able to access my page and so for me if it's a company that starts up I don't charge them anything you know I go you know what I'll give you four or five free ads let's just get the word out there that you're doing something for Kiwis or you're a Kiwi person who wants to get themselves in the the marketplace anyone else you know I charge them such a small amount they 
they pay me that small amount and I, and I invoice them every month whenever they want it. Keep it simple. You know, I've worked in highly bureaucratic uh, places in public sector. It drives me crazy. So everything for me is simple. You know, someone will ring me up. I want this done. They'll email me. I want this. Here's a picture. Here's my wording. I go, great. Here it's done. Simple. Sweet. It's easier than dealing with any other kind of agency or people who are just trying to upsell them and make them pay more money and all that. I have a simple fee structure. It's one fee. You know, as <laughs> simple as that, you know. So you've never been in a position where you've had to refuse anyone? Uh, no. I, I mean, I will refuse if they uh, advertise the same, which is not in the best interest of the community. Companies, for instance, who offer products which I know are not legitimate, but uh, organisations, for instance, who want to help New Zealanders come to London but will charge them thousands of pounds for the privilege to do so. Uh, and there are many companies out there who will say, hey, you know what, we'll get you a job in London, we'll find you a job with accommodation, we'll give you a mobile phone SIM card, which we all know costs nothing almost, we'll help you with money changing, uh, we'll help you with this and that. And they'll charge you, say, two, three thousand pounds for this, you know. And then, then they come over to the UK and they get a job at a pub. And the pub will pay minimum, minimum wage with free accommodation thrown in anyway. You could have done that on your own. And I could have helped you do that on your own without having to pay three thousand pounds for the privilege, you know. So those are the kind of people who I... Not, not only will I not advertise them, but they are almost one of the reasons why I actively push... Kiwis London even further to and worked in it harder to kind of keep those kind of vultures away from people who are scared about traveling to the other side of the world and uh, paying whatever. I imagine these companies wish they had the kind of reach that you had. They they probably have a bigger reach in budget and finance. They can go to Australia and post ads all over Australia or New Zealand, I should say, and say we are the working holiday organization blah 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 who will help you set yourself up in the UK and and there's a lot of them out there and they will have big budgets and newspapers they'll have internet advertising they'll do all that work to really push their product uh, and also be kind of part of the selling process if you're going to to book your trip to the UK so if you use a travel agency to go to the UK uh, I won't say names <laughs> Uh, but rhymes with Schmeichmenter. <laughs> but anyway, so so if you go into Flight Centre, for instance, and you're booking a trip to the UK, they'll say, have you heard of the Working Holiday Club, for instance? And they'll say, okay, well that, if you can get everything set up, you'll get a job, you'll get your um, bank account open up, you'll get your national insurance advice and all that stuff and set up for you when you arrive. Um, but at the end of the day, that's like a 10-minute job. All they do is give you a telephone number to call, you know, all the stuff, and yet you're paying two or three thousand pounds minimum to get set up in the UK. Have you seen a number of young Kiwis be suckered in by that kind oh, of thing? Oh yeah, and this is this is the only time when media are interested to ever talk to me because they like bad news stories, and that's it. I and the, and the I used to, and not so much now because I've managed to extinguish a lot of it from my community, but in the old days. Every other day, Kiwis will come to me and say, oh, I have been ripped off by a company ABC or a company this and that, who have said, promise me all this stuff. But then they get given really terrible jobs in the middle of nowhere, been promised they're going to get a job in the centre of London. No one has a job in the centre of London. It was me having to contact these companies and say, we don't like what you're doing. They don't care. They do now because they've got 71,000 people, you know. But 
the horror story is horrific. There was an Australian, I, I know they're not, I'm, they're not Kiwi, but they were also given airfares as well for a company to fly over. And what the company did is found the cheapest airfare they could find, added £2,000 to it, and then said, here's your, here's your trip. Then this person in total paid £7,000 to come to the UK. They were investigated and part of an ABC sting on them, which hit them in their operations in Australia and in Canada. So there are, there are cowboys out there who will do whatever they can. It's terrible. And the horror stories I've heard are just horrific, you know. Absolutely terrible. Some say, get the job first, then get the flat. Yeah, the dream is to live no more than an hour away from where you were. I mean, that's the dream, you know. I mean, for me, it's a 20-second walk to my sofa. But, 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 you know, to get out of your house, walk to the tube station or catch a bus to the tube station, catch the tube, walk and go to your office. You know, that's, that's what most people do. Some people are lucky enough to just catch a bus. Some people, if they're brave or stupid enough, can cycle to work. Um, but the dream is to be in an hour. So I guess in a way, if you want to look for a job first, by all means, go for it. You know, I would say it's the best idea to get a job first. Find a hostel. There's plenty of hostels around that love us and full of, full of Kiwis anyway. Uh, and then find that job, you know. And if, you are, if you're a typical Kiwi with multi-skilled, you know, mindset, and your head screwed on, you're going to find a job pretty quickly. You're going to get interviews within the first week or two, no problems at all. Once you've been offered a job, you can look at where it is and then you can find a job, find a flat, I should say, yeah. What kind of advice would you have for them in order to kind of combat that sort of weird bureaucratic nightmare that is trying to find a place in London and dealing with those agencies? To provide evidence that you're of some sort of income coming in, bank statements from New Zealand are always helpful, you know. Having information that shows that you have money in the bank is always a good thing, no matter what, because it makes landlords or agencies more comfortable. Because if you don't have that, if you don't have that proof, they're going to ask you for six months' rent in advance, and that, as scary as it sounds, is actually not uncommon. So you need evidence that you do have money in the bank for a start. You need evidence, um, perhaps, that you have work. Maybe um, you know, contracting. The contracting thing for me is something which is a bit foreign, I'm afraid, because when you come to the UK, it's, most people have been PAYE, apart from having limited companies and all that. You know, if you are coming to the UK and you're contracting, you're going to obviously hook up with a contracting company anyway, who do all your taxes for you, perhaps, who do all your um, limited companies and all that. They can provide paperwork as well that can. Uh, make people more comfortable with putting you into a flat as well and I mean as you do not want to end up in that, that, that unholy route of having to contact your parents to guarantee you or having to pay six months rent up advance which is usually again the bank of mum and dad which believe me I, I could never do that and I'm sure a lot of Kiwis can't I think that young Kiwi kids coming over to the UK now are probably a lot more flush than their parents <laughs> were. What's something that you would advise a young Kiwi who's just moved to London to do in order to find the job that they want? Oh, wow. You see, in New Zealand, it's a lot of personal interaction. It's not as much agency-based. It's a lot of, I know someone, or go in here and do this job. Whereas in the UK, it's like the mafia in a way. It's all agency-based. You know, now and then you might find a job which is non-agency. But I mean, I see hundreds, if not thousands, of jobs a month. And I'll tell you right now, 99.9% of them are through an agency, even if you don't know it is. So it's about understanding that 
when you're going in for an interview, you're not getting a job. This is just a job with an agency. You just need to polish up on your interview skills, but also make sure you have all the information as well. Have a CV which is not 10 pages long. Have a CV which is two pages long. When you're meeting an agency, you know, make sure that you tell them all your skills, but make sure also that when you're going, agencies are very specific based, so you're not going to go to an agency which is going to get you a job in anything. You're going to go to a job which is an agency which is um, an admin agency, a finance agency. They don't have time to to give you careers advice because the cutthroat world of the recruitment agency is not a nice world, I'm afraid. They don't live on good wages, it's all commission-based, they're not there to cuddle you and look after you. They're there to get you a job and to get their commission. The commission comes first for them. <laughs> so it's about kind of making sure you know what you want to do, make sure you know what kind of job you can do, make sure you have the skills, make sure your CV backs up that you have the skills to do the job which they are looking for you to do so they can place you easily. If they can place you easily, they'll be your best friend. If they can't place you easily, move on, find another agency, get a better set of skills. I want to go back to the, the social side of it. Yes, oh good. You were instrumental in organising the Waitangi Day pub calls? I am not the organiser. No one knows who the organiser is, but that's because it's about 36 years old. And the pub crawl's been going for that long. It's an organic event. All I did was I set up a Facebook page which directs people to where to go, what to do, the, the rules that, if there are any, uh, and what the authorities, like the police and the council and all that say. There is a, I say that because there is, my, the Facebook page for that is, it's there to provide that information and nothing else. There is, there, no one can really put their hand up and say they are the organiser. If they did, they'll put themselves in a world of pain via legal liability, any damage, all that kind of stuff. Whoever that person is, I guess it's they're not going to do that, are they? And the police have said to me as well that anyone who ever thought they were going to claim ownership or management of it, don't do it. <laughs> I think there was £10,000 worth of damage on the um, Westminster Square about 11 years ago, only because they were on the grass and they decided to play rugby on the grass. The grass was just uh, put there, stupidly, and there was a big muddy game of rugby there. And I think a New Zealand journalist uh, rang me up and asked me if it had anything to do with me, and I, I said no, but she still slayed me on the morning report. <laughs> it's incredible. I'm not going to lie to you. The, um, I had a meeting with Scotland Yard about five, six years ago where they just wanted to meet me because I run the Facebook page. They want to meet other Kiwis who are in the community to kind of discuss with them about the day. And I walked in there and they were like, mate, we love this day. We, we, most of our staff volunteer to work that day. They come on that day. They want to hang out. They want to see Kiwis having fun. They even said that they'd rather have 10,000 drunk New Zealanders on the street than 100 drunk English people on the street. And they've said that over and over again. You know, they've even let us drink on the streets in areas which are not allowed to drink. They let us drink on the tubes, and they're not allowed to drink on the tubes. As long as you don't have glass, they don't mind. They'll let us kind of do things. You know, some Kiwis were caught a few years ago, unfortunately, pissing in corners and stuff. The police said, you know what? We expect it, um, and we accept it, you know, because there's not enough public toilets. We understand that. And they don't care. They don't care. They all fly up and down Kensington, and I think they've already started already, warning them of the event and to say, hey, this is going to happen it's just a bunch of happy New Zealanders dressed in the craziest costumes ever and don't worry about it, you know. And the police will be there. They're fine. They love the event. They'll sit there and let 
Kiwis jumping their motorbikes and posed with their helmets on, and you know some of the the um, policemen, for instance, will not tell their wives. Got all these New Zealand girls jumping in their arms and <laughs> kissing them and all that nonsense, you know. But you know, the, the, the guy who was in charge of it a few years ago, then the police side, you know, he was always wanted to be a part of a harker and stuff like that, you know. And you know, and and and, and he'd be on TV. He was on TV in New Zealand. He was. It was fantastic. They're just enthusiastic. They love the pub crawl. And I was on the, off the phone to the police yesterday about the same thing. And they said, don't worry, nothing's wrong, mate. We just want to make sure that you're all happy with everything. And I'm like, mate, it's your country. It's your area. The police are already closing down the area by Westminster. Already, you know. They've just not warned me. They've just said to me, I hope you don't mind. I'm like, of course I don't mind. This is, this is your city, you know. But they're so good about it. They even said to me, there's a protest on the same day, but don't worry, you're going to end up having beers with them. You know? Fantastic, you know? So, you know, at the end of the day, no, it's one of those events where if you're back home in New Zealand, a lot of the television media used to <laughs> put some pretty terrible images of people just being drunk. And people back home go, oh, no, we're so embarrassed. They're the only ones who are embarrassed. Over here, no one minds, you know. And that's the good thing. You know? We had no arrests. We've had one arrest in the last six years now. And what does the future for Kiwis in London look like? Where would you like to see it within the next five years? It's down to the whims of how Facebook allow me to continue. But, I mean, they are a social network, so it's going to last. Uh, we're looking at opening up a venue. I'm going to be basing it, like, getting myself a venue, which which I can't invest in, but someone has, well, someone will. And it's actually coming up this year where I can have people that can drop in and see me rather than having to just deal with online, you know. It's always that good old process of, um, of face-to-face uh, as well as just being online. So I want to have a, a base that people can come in and see me, get some one-to-one advice being on flats and jobs and making new friends I want to expand it so I can have some more promotion back in New Zealand so New Zealanders can go straight away oh well Kiwis London the same way as they would say if they went to a, a to a travel company you know I want people to have that recognition that not just for me but for the business that people can say Kiwis London that's the first point of call it might not be for might be for a lot of people now but not for everybody so it's kind of like that you know if I can have a physical base where people can drop in a bit like an unofficial New Zealand embassy in a way you know even the high New Zealand High Commission even say sometimes that I am the unofficial High Commission because they send people to me the questions they can't deal with so it's things like that I want to have a physical base which can be useful and that's the main thing because then we can help people more I can get maybe even afford to have a staff member which would be glorious you know if I can afford to hire someone on a a good wage (laughs) then I have backup and support and we can have something which is going to be meaningful (laughs) to help people in the long run as well My thanks to Clint Heiner and you can see what all the fuss is about by searching Kiwis in London on Facebook and I highly recommend you do and you can follow To Londoner on Facebook and Twitter as well. Just think of all the online bike rides are going to go on. I'm Michael John Oliver, and this has been To Londoner. <laughs>